and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, back for another week of all kinds of fun things here on the uh, Outsports Podcast Network. Um, thank you for tuning in. This is going to be a fun one this week because uh, I have uh, a guest that I am super stoked to bring on the show in uh, Antonio Hernandez. Um, Antonio is a uh, documentarian local to the D.C. Baltimore area, and you know he's been covering a lot of the music and art scene over there over the past few years with his uh, indelible uh, documentary series uh, released through uh, Catch Lightning, and. Um, you know, while that series is focused a lot on music, he's uh, jumping back into pro wrestling, another love of his, with the latest episode of Indelible, focusing on the current um, Pan-African World Diaspora Wrestling Champion, uh, Trisha Dora. And you know, the trailers have looked outstanding, the... the Everything that I've seen so far looks really good, and that's set to debut uh, tonight, uh, as I'm speaking, Thursday, um, at 8 p.m. Eastern, over at SouthsideSuplex.com. And I got the chance to sit down with Antonio and talk about the film, talk about you know how he introduced himself to Trish and and the experience of like hearing her story, and also like noticing some of the the themes from previous episodes of Indelible that are present in uh, this episode with Trish as well. It's a, I had a blast with it. I also got to put on my hip hop head hat for a little bit there, which is something I don't get to do as often these days. And that's always fun. Um, but yeah, it's, it's rad either way. Um, I was, I had a lot of fun talking to him and I think you're going to have a lot of fun listening to him. So let's uh, jump into that. Alright guys, guys, and non-binary pals, welcome back to LGBT in the Ring, and I am very excited to have um, a guest that uh, just recently came on my radar, but has been doing awesome stuff in the DC Baltimore uh, scene around uh, music, arts, and now uh, dipping his toe back into pro wrestling a little bit after t- after a little bit of time away from it, um, but. Uh, you might know him as Electric Llama. He, the production company is Catch Lightning. The series is Indelible. And we are going to be talking to, about his upcoming documentary on Trisha Dora, the current Pan-African Wrestling Diaspora World Champion, uh, <laughs> Antonio Hernandez. Antonio, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on, Brian. Ah, no worries. I appreciate it. Um I, I will say this: the the trailer was first brought to my attention. Uh, the trailer for Trisha's documentary that you're working on, uh, Lolo from uh, Primetime, was the first one that brought it to my attention. They seem to be bringing a lot of things to my attention recently. Um, and I will say, like the trailer from like the the music underneath it to just like the way that you're there's some about the way that you shot just her, just just Trish herself that like just draws you in. And like a lot of the the action shots from the uh, the Fight Club show, as well as Butch versus Gore, like I don't know, the trailer just the first minute alone got me hyped for the whole thing, and that's going to be dropping this coming Thursday, if I'm not mistaken, correct? 
Yeah, that's going to be dropping um, on YouTube. So I created a YouTube premiere landing page for it. And um, so it's scheduled for 8 p.m. on Thursday, and it's about 21 minutes long. Oh, all right. No, that's I am very, very uh, looking forward to seeing that. But I want to dig into a little bit of like what led you to to Trish as a subject and also just your work on the Indelible series as a whole, because, you know, like I said in the opening, you know, I've watched a number of the episodes leading up to this one, and there's a very intense focus on the the music scene um, in DC and Baltimore. Um, what's your background when it comes to, to that sort of thing, and and what led you to wanting to kind of highlight these artists? Um, so my background is that I'm I'm kind of like a mostly self-taught um, videographer and editor, um, and so I've been slowly over the years kind of doing that as a profession. Um, I kind of just got started in the local music scene covering things. I started a blog called Electric Llama. Um, I called it that just because I needed a name for like my aliases online. Um, Llama because my family's from Peru. And um, Electric just refers to digital. So like Digital Llama, Electric Llama. Um, And then, yeah, I've just been like making friends in the scene, just like doing interviews. Um, I DJ as well. So I will meet lots of artists and talk to them, like going to shows to shoot. Sometimes I would play shows and I just became acquainted with and friends with a lot of artists. And I kind of just want to tell the stories that like I will see or hear from them. And then I started the series um, in October of 2018. Um, It was kind of at a time where I wasn't feeling myself professionally. And um, I just happened to hit up a friend of mine named On Mojo, who's a rapper from PG County in Maryland, where where I'm from. And she was doing an opening show um, for a rapper from New York named Jungle Pussy. Can I say that? On yeah, yeah, we're we're explicit. You can say okay. whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then um, I don't know if you saw that episode. That was the first one, and I was just I kind of did that over the course of the night, and the stuff I got from that, um, to me, it was just it was it was really incredible because it was just really honest, uh, and that's the kind of stuff I like to watch, and that's kind of like the stuff I want to do. Um, so from there, I kind of just, I didn't intend to make it a series, but I just came up with like the concept and the look in a, in a couple days, um, just put a website together, um, put an aesthetic together. Uh, then it just came from there and I decided to, um, really focus on women and LGBT artists. Um, just so one, one was to kind of narrow my focus. And then the second reason was that, um, so I can kind of uplift voices that I think should be uplifted. And I think it's good it's just kind of like as a as a producer and as an ally to do that do that kind of thing without kind of um without uh what do you call it without um without making my voice bigger so as you notice i don't really narrate you only hear my voice um so i kind of just want to upload uplift those voices in the best way that i can No, you definitely accomplished that. Like I've, I know I, I did see the Odd Mojo episode. The the chaotic uh, couture episode was one of my personal favorites. Just like I'm, I'm very um, happy to see like someone highlighting those voices, especially when you're talking about, um, you know, LGBTQ black voices um, as well, because like that's something you know I've, I've discussed that with people on the show uh, previously, where you know especially in pro wrestling where a lot of the time when you're talking about like LGBTQ talent in the ring, you're a lot of the focus goes to like three or four or five specific people. And a lot of people kind of get left out in the cold and, 
you know, there can be a lot of erasure there. And the fact that your series um, is doing that within the music scene there as well as I, I think that's a very powerful thing. Um, and you mentioned the aesthetic because that's something like as like someone who's like been in film a little bit myself, like that is something that really caught my eye. What kind of led to the uh, the idea of going like black and white and kind of the, the idea of like the how you kind of sculpted uh, the presentation of the series? Um, well, the, actually, the main reason was that um, so I found myself in a lot of uh, venues and stuff. Um, which is something weird to say now that that's probably not going to happen for a long time. <laughs> yeah. um, but one thing that I noticed, you know, is that there's a lot of bright colors. Um, there's a lot of contrast. Um, and I wanted to do something so that um, at least visually uh, things are linked. Um, so I, I figure just you kind of just take away all that contrast, all those bright colors and everything. And you can kind of focus on the people and the stories more. Um, and then I kind of just added the yellow accents when I use that for um, like lower thirds, sometimes for text. Um, sometimes when I, there's not a lot, but sometimes when I use transitions and stuff, they might be a little bit of color. Um, but that was just um, just for a little a little bit of color to pop. Um, but it was just to visually link everything. And the broader goal is that I don't know how many of the episodes you, you've seen, but in some of the episodes. Um, artists reappear. Um, so that was as part of it as well. Um, so you'll kind of see the idea is that as time goes on, you kind of see how different people are connected. Mm. No, I definitely did notice that when, um, uh, when Yanju popped up in a couple, like that was mm -hmm. really interesting to see, especially considering like how much they talked about, you know, their, their own like separate performances away from black people don't swim. And then like seeing how they, I don't know, there was something about that black people don't swim episode that was just really heartwarming in a lot of ways Just seeing all these different people just kind of coming together and fusing so quickly in a way, like it just seemed like this own little family. Uh, and I mean, yeah. it came across really well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's a uh, black folks don't swim. Black folks don't swim. Black Sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was really cool because um, I had, with some of these, I've known the people um, for a while, like Kyle, Chaotic Couture, I've known maybe like four or five years now, Odd Mojo, uh, four years now. But there's some people like the folks in uh, Black Folks Don't Swim I, I hadn't met very recently. Um, Tris, I hadn't met the night of that show. Um okay. So uh, the, the story of just, um, I saw the flyer for the Pan-African show that morning. I went to get coffee and um, I just noticed the flyer on the wall. Um, and I remembered that there was something missing and I think it was the bell time. So they had the date and they had the location. So I went looking on Instagram and I found Trisha's Instagram. I remember messaging her and then I went through her feed and I found the flyer that had the time. Um, and then, so it was Saturday. Uh, I know I remember it was the 15th because it's the day after Valentine's Day. And I was like, well, I had nothing to do that Saturday night until work later on that night. Um, so I, went, I ended up going to the show just to get some photos and just, you know, go see some um, live wrestling. And I took a bunch of photos there. And then I was just amazed at Trisha's performance. I mean, I was amazed at the, the show, um, but just Trisha's performance that night. And I just went up to her. I was like, hey, my name's Antonio. I messaged you earlier. And I know you're going to take, I know you're taking pictures and everything, but I'm going to message you in a week. 
and I want to interview for this series I have. Um, and then we kind of just went back and forth. Uh, and then we found a time and then eventually um, we met up uh, for coffee um, near where she lives in DC. And the next week uh, we filmed an interview and then I filmed the Butch versus Gore show. And so those were the two instances I was able to film with her. What um, what was it about Trish that kind of like pulled you pulled you in to see her as a, a subject for an episode of the Indelible series, specifically? Yeah, I, with Trish, I I just saw um, I saw the way she carried herself in the ring, um, and for me there was there was a combination of of like technical skill, talent, and power, but she wasn't just doing just power moves all night and then trying to just go like 100 miles an hour. Um, sometimes with indie wrestling, there's a lot of just like, we need to go and just do 100 super kicks and uh, we need to do everything. And the, the match needs to be like just a 20, 30 minute uh, main event. Um, I think she, I could tell she was very focused on um, the entering part after the show, I saw her taking pictures. Um, I didn't find out till later that her whole family was there. Um, there was an older guy that I found out later was her uncle. Um, and he was just like hilarious the whole show. He was just like yelling, like, go get him. And he was like filming like the entire match and like cheering her on and everything. Um, and then she was like taking pictures with like little kids. She mentioned there was a little girl that was just like so happy to see her there. Um, and I kind of just, just use my intuition and I just kind of like, I, I kind of just had a good guess that there was a good story, uh, behind her journey. Mm. No, it was a very good guess. Um, Trish is, uh, I think all those qualifiers, all those descriptors like fit her to a T. Like there's just a certain, there's a certain power, like anybody that I've like introduced her to, like in terms of like showing them like her matches and stuff like that like immediate connection there I, whether it's the like the desire to be like unapologetically black the the um the power that she shows within it as well as you know being able to connect with an audience like you said like speaking to the the little girl there like showing a, a, a proper form of representation um in an industry that has not been the kindest to marginalized communities, I think is very, very powerful. Um, and that's one reason why I think that it was especially interesting to find out that, that you were at the Butch versus Gore show, because like that show in and of itself was one of those things that really was meant to highlight that. Um, even like more so than, I would, maybe not more so, but like on the same lines as like, you know, Fight Club and Primetime is both in, the, in their mission statements to highlight people from marginalized communities on their shows and to create diverse locker rooms and that sort of thing. But there was something special about Butch versus Gore and, and the focus that it had. What was, how did, how was that night to you? How did it play? How did it come off to you? Like being in that building compared to other um, events that you've been to? Um, it seemed like uh, everyone there was really into it um, and into the mission and into the company and into the talent um, as opposed to people going to just a wrestling show. Um, 
like if you've been to like some of the bigger shows like WWE or you know AEW, you'll have people that are into it, but then you you know you'll also have just a ton of people who are there to get like just super blitzed and watch wrestling and yell, um, which is fine, but it's different when it's like when you feel it. It feels like is you're going to like a friendsgiving as opposed to like a, a just a crowded restaurant, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. Totally makes sense. Um, so they're, they're more like, even if you're going into a room with 500 strangers, you kind of feel like you're all on the same page. And people were really into it, you know, booing and cheering. But everyone kind of like appreciated the talent. Um, and I think it, there's just, there were so many different things that I saw. Um, and they're just kind of things that are unique. Like, you know, the 51st uh, state championship. I was backstage, but I think there was like a drag performance at the beginning. Yeah, there was a, dra- a drag king uh, squad came okay. out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there, there was some things I didn't see just because I was back. I was filming Trish uh, getting ready and then right after. Um, but I just, I just think that there was just kind of just the communal sense of everyone wanting to see the, the company succeed, the wrestlers succeed. And just everyone kind of just invested in having a good time and really appreciating and supporting the talent that they were seeing. No, I definitely agree with you on that. And I, I thought it was a very comparison when like watching some of the the past episodes of, of your series um, and looking at the crowds at those shows as compared to like the crowds at like that show or at the, the show where Trish won the, the PAW uh wc yeah p-a-w-d-w-c there we go i'll get the yeah. acronym right <laughs> um where like there was this like kind of unabashed love like i specifically go back to like the odd mojo episode where like you had like I, it's very rare for me to see um a local musician like odd mojo have someone pull for, pull someone from the crowd at random and be able to like know the lyrics of what of what they're throwing down up there, and to the point where like they just seamlessly get into it like that. And I think that's something that in the in the episode that Jungle Pussy pointed out as well. Um, I I hope that was I hope that was her. I I assume that was her. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. Um, do you see like any kind of like correlation between the two audiences? I would say like between like shows like that and the wrestling shows that you, that you cover for the Trish doc. Yeah. Well, it's a coincidence that, um, so I found out when I was, when I was doing the interview with Trish, that Trish and Automojo actually knew each other and used to work. Um, oh. I think at a cafe or something together like a few years ago. Wow. So that was just like a funny coincidence. Um, but I think the, a good, a good way to think about it is just um, the it's a similar crowd that would go. It's a similar vibe of like a, a crowd going to a local show and wanting to support local artists. Going the same way a, a crowd would go to to local um, local wrestling promotion and support like a local wrestler. It's kind of the the same idea. It's just a different um, a different format and um, a different medium. Um, but you'll, you'll, it's, it's, it does kind of similar. And I feel like, um, the, the scenes are kind of similar in that way and that they're very punk, you know, I think wrestling, you know, wrestling is very punk, you know, hip hop and like music is, is, is very punk. 
Um, a lot of the thing, a lot of the things are encouraged, you know, crowd participation, um, interacting with the crowd, um, getting a response, you know, music is, in, is a big part of, um, of uh, wrestling as well. So there's a lot of kind of things that are similar. Uh, and you, you want to, in both uh, formats, you want a crowd that's engaged, you know, whether they're um, seeing you for the first time or not. Um, you, even if the, the person is not a fan, doesn't know who you are, you know, you, you want the, the person to leave. Like, I, I need to know who this person is. I'm gonna go home or on the ride home and look up their Instagram or look up their SoundCloud or if it's a wrestler in this case, look up uh, a YouTube and find their matches and stuff like that. So I think there's some things that are similar in what the artists want to do who are performing, but also what the, the crowd, what they want the crowd to do as well as far as the interaction and the exchange of that energy on stage or in the ring and in the crowd. No, I, I, that's a very astute observation actually like i think sometimes people kind of get bogged down in you know the recent argument within pro wrestling circles is like you know some people referring to pro wrestling as art and some people referring to it more as like you know the realism sport aspect of of what it used to be at times and like you know like there's no reason why it can't be both and both bring a sort of uh like punk attitude to them in a way um I don't right. know. It's just it's just very interesting to see like all these different worlds meld whenever like you wouldn't necessarily you wouldn't necessarily see it as much in in like past decades. I would say, you know, like I was talking to my my partner. Um, we were just talking before we got on here about you know how even like comparing like sticking with the music and wrestling comparisons. Like you don't see a ton of like hip hop culture in mainstream wrestling. Yet when you go to the independent scene, especially like independent scenes where, you know, you have more wrestlers of color, um, th that is on like full blast in a lot yeah. of ways. And, and Trish in many ways embodies that as, as many other wrestlers in the DC area do. Um, what do you like? I don't know. There's so much to this, this connection, like whether it's like you look at like mainstream rap or you have like Migos, uh, like, like basically like calling out Ric Flair, you have Pusha T calling out Ric Flair in songs, Wale doing like all of the different wrestling stuff that he does. Um, even down to like somebody like JPEG Mafia who like just literally includes like a little snippet from like Edge's theme song yeah. at the beginning of a lot of his tracks. Like what do you say like, how does that connection between hip hop and, and pro wrestling like sit in your mind? Do you kind of interpret it the same way as like the crowd aspect of it, or it's like, what do you think like makes those two things kind of mesh so well together? Well, performance wise, definitely. Um, and I think it's just those larger than life characters. Um, but wrestling is so unique because, you know, there's an the old adage of um, the best wrestling personalities are kind of just the, your, whatever your personality is times 10. Uh, but, there, you know, there are exceptions to certain cases, you know, Undertaker playing the dead man and things like oh, yeah. that. Um, but you just have these these super confident or um, sometimes they're brash. Sometimes they're like very showy, you know, like Ric Flair. Or you have someone that's just, just so just 
crazy, but there's just like this contained intensity, like a macho man, or um, there's just like the, just like a high flying, just quick, something like Rey Mysterio that people talk about. And so there, there's just like, um, it's like listening to, you know, how um, like Rick Ross, for example, or Lil Wayne and Cash Money, they will talk about this like decadent lifestyle, um, which is, it is out of reach for a lot of people, but it's also very much something you can see and something you can, you can touch. So part of it is fantasy, but it's also part of it is that there, there's a little bit of reality. So, you know, wrestling exists in kind of like this, this gray area, you know, the, the, the moves are pulled back and they're performed safely. But, you know, as you know, this, there, there's real contact, there's real um, injuries and there's real uh, damage and everything. Um, but, you know, the personalities, they're not, they're not strictly acting, you know, uh, they are putting a lot of themselves into it. So there's, there's so many gray areas um, that I think are similar, even, even with rapping, like not, you know, rappers, no matter what they rap about, they're not like rapping, um, uh, documentaries. It's not like, uh, Ken Burns can, can rap about, you know, what he working, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, Nas has said it, for example, you know, he's, he didn't rap about stuff that he actually did everything, but stuff he saw when, um, he was in his projects, you know, Jay-Z, something similar, um, and then even with, you know, how you mentioned Peggy, JPEG Mafia has all these uh, uh, wrestling um, kind of references too. We, I, re- I think we watched a wrestling, I went to, uh, I think, I don't know if it was Peggy's place, I think it was Butch Dawson's place. We watched WrestleMania like a couple years ago. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. So it was me and a couple other um, folks like, and like the Baltimore music scene up there. And there's, so there's a lot of wrestlers um, who reference that. And there was just like a lot of, there was just like a coolness to it that a lot of wrestlers, for some reason, I don't think have today. And I think maybe it's because of the marketing or the branding. Um, there's there's such a focus on being like just this super athlete. And some of them, you know, you just focus on being cool. Just, you know, <clears throat> Ric Flair, just simple, just saying woo, or just talking about a Rolex, or just talking about women and all the other stuff or just macho man and you know you have just so many different personalities and and it's just i think it's just something that's very fun and i think that the best rappers or that some of the most engaging rappers are just people who are just who, who just are very fun and just who can really perform and jpeg mafia is a good example of that because his, his performances are crazy you know they're they're almost like a wrestling show. He dives and you know he's you know he's everywhere. Yeah, a lot of physicality yeah. <laughs> at his shows. Um, but I I don't know that conversation is always a very interesting one to have, and I don't get to have it that often. So I'm very glad that I was having like a little bit of that with you. But I do want to get back to to Trish specifically yeah. in, in this doc because I'm very excited to see it whenever it drops. Actually, this up this episode will drop the same day. So if you're listening to this. Go check that out later on. But before we get to that, um, what was um, your favorite part about putting this episode on Trish together? Um, I think the favorite part was just the editing. Um, so, so basically, what we had planned to do was do a longer form piece, 
Um, we talked about kind of like following her kind of like through the summer and maybe doing like a longer, maybe an hour or something in the fall. Obviously that didn't happen. Um, so, and I was just kind of like, you know, I'm not sure when all this is going to get lifted. I don't, I'm not sure when she was going to get back to training and everything. So I decided to just put a short together. Um, so I contacted uh, a bunch of wrestling companies that she wrestled for um, and Hood Slam, um, Wrestling 2.0 and Primetime allowed me to use the footage. Um, and so, and I also had the footage, I had an interview and then I had the footage from Butch versus Gore. Um, I put together everything in four days. So I edited it in four wow. days um, last week, actually. Um, so the editing was just fun. Um, I just, I found a really good groove as far as editing. Um, I pretty much had the basis for it in two days. And then the third and fourth day was kind of just cleaning it up. Um, doing a lot of like the sound mixing and editing. Um, but I just found a good groove. Um, the music from Dio, um, I just really liked that album that he put out anyway. Um, but the music was just helped a ton as far as just like um, uh, motivation. It was just fun to edit to, um, uh, just to to that music. And it, it, it was felt really good to do it this time because I kind of just use an artist's uh, soundtrack, an entire album from one artist, which is really fun. So I think that's something I want to do um, next time. But just finding a groove with editing and just seeing it come together. Um, and it, it wasn't really tough. There weren't really moments where I felt like I was at a block. You know, like I said, it came together pretty much, um, yeah, four days consecutively working on it on and off. Um, and then by the, yeah, by the fifth day, I kind of just made sure I just a couple rewatches and it was good to go. Nice. Um, and then of course you have done, um, a project looking at pro wrestling before your, your piece on Nova pro from a few years back. Um, I did check that out as well. Um, really interesting piece there. I like that a lot. Um, captured Tim Donst and all of his glory right there. Um, <laughs> Uh, what were there any lessons uh, from from that from shooting that one for the Garnish series that you kind of took into doing this one for Trisha Dora? Um, I would say that the the biggest lesson is just about um, positioning and mm -hmm. a lot of how I shoot because it's just me for the moment until I can get like funding or something. Um, so the the biggest thing is just learning. Um, where I should be to film. And um, it's just kind of one of those things where you, you see enough wrestling on TV, you see enough live, where you kind of just figure out where to stand, um, where to be, um, where the camera should be to, to um, get the action. Actually, for that piece, I used two cameras. So I had set up one camera on a tripod and I was walking around with a second camera. Um, but for uh, this one, I was kind of just uh, lucky for Butch versus Gore that they let me um, get ringside. Um, so that helped a lot. Um, um, and then similar, I just make sure I get there early to get some um, footage of uh, Trish and Ashton um, preparing and everything like that. Um, yeah, just making sure I just don't miss anything. That's the, that's yeah. the biggest thing. Yeah, no, definitely. Like that—that that can be one of the hardest lessons to learn 
whenever you're shooting anything. So I totally understand that. Um, well, I guess last question for you, Antonio. I don't want to give, I don't want to give anything away for the doc or anything. Um, but what do you think it will be like the major takeaway for people after seeing this uh, this indelible episode about Trisha Dora? I think the the biggest takeaway is that people will really be able to relate to her as a person and then they'll I think they'll really walk away with the with the newfound respect or just respect for her and for what she puts into it um so I got footage of her matches going back to 2016 um and so uh you can kind of see how the how her um performances progress how she progresses um, visually. So it's pretty much, you know, four years. Um, she actually started a year before that, but you see kind of just four years of just uh, progress. And so I think that part of what I want to do in, in all the episodes is just for people to kind of just give give a uh, newfound appreciation to what it takes to, to be a performer. Um, you know, it's not just God-given talent, no matter what you do. You know, you have to put a lot of work into it. Um, and, you know, that they also go through certain challenges. So she talks about challenges physically, but she also talks about, like, emotional um, challenges that it takes to to perform and to, to perform on that level. And um, wrestling is something I, I respect. I got As I got older, I really respected, like, the physicality. Um, what it takes mentally to to do that, you know. What I think when I was younger, I took for granted what it took to even to train. But you know, as I got older and learned about wrestling training, um, watching wrestling documentaries, um, seeing everything that goes into it, um, I think I, I appreciate it a lot more. No, oh, definitely. Like the more you learn about how the sausage is made, the the more it is to appreciate all of the the work that goes into that. Definitely. Um, yeah. Well, Antonio, I really appreciate you coming on. Let everybody out there know where they can find like you, the Catch Lightning, and especially this documentary um, on Thursday. Yeah. Um, so you can follow me on Instagram, um, Electric Llama. Um, the Instagram for the series is indelible life. Um, the website for the series is indelible dot life. Um, and then, uh, the name I came up, especially for, uh, this episode is called, uh, South, uh, South side suplex because she's from, um, Southeast DC. Um, so you can go, you can get to the episode via indelible dot life, or you can just go to, um, suplex, uh, southsidesuplex.com and that'll take you to the YouTube uh, landing page. Um, so it's a YouTube premiere. Um, basically a landing page is up and then you can uh, just click a bell and you can get a notification. I believe it's 30 minutes before um, before it starts and you kind of just can tune in from wherever, like your laptop. If you have the app on a smart TV, your phone, and you just watch it, it will be up for free and then once the once the premiere is done, it'll kind of just be uploaded on YouTube. So even if you don't make it uh, virtually, you can just go back um, anytime and um, watch the film. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Antonio. Cool, man. Thanks, man. Well, thanks once again to Antonio for, for coming on the show and talking about the film. Um, I am super excited to check that out a little bit later today and to see the, the reaction from everybody um, at the same time. It's going to be fun. Don't forget southsidesuplex.com, 8 p.m. Eastern tonight. And, of course, don't forget to follow Antonio on Twitter at electric underscore llama. Uh, and check out the other episodes in the Indelible series. Um over at indelible.life, uh, I highly suggest um, the Chaotic Couture episode. Outstanding. I love it. I love all of them, honestly. It's been, it was a really fun to kind of dive into that series and, and learn more about like just this, this movement within that area there and to see Trisha's story told alongside it. It's, it's awesome. Speaking of awesome, we are doing some pretty awesome stuff over at Outsports.com this week. Uh, along with SB Nation, we have been participating in uh, Jersey Week over there, kind of putting up different uh, pieces, focusing on like our favorite jerseys, our least favorite jerseys, uh, some very some unique jerseys, like just basically like talking all about different sports looks. Um, and I am very excited to say that I have a pretty fun piece going up soon over there uh, focusing on LGBTQ Pride Pro Wrestling gear um, as part of that week of coverage. Um, it's I had a lot of fun doing the research, if you can call it research, but yeah, it's really cool. Um, so keep your eye out for that, as well as check out all the other stuff over there. I know uh, Ken Schultz had a couple of good, great pieces on uh, awesome and rather tacky baseball jerseys. Um, we had a nice point counterpoint with uh, Don Ennis and Carly Webb about the uh, old Sunburst, uh, or I guess quote-unquote Tequila Sunrise Houston Astros jerseys. Um, and, you know, it's just been a lot of stuff that's been going up over there, and it's been really fun. And that's going to keep going all through today and tomorrow, possibly the weekend. We'll see. I'm not sure, but uh, it's been fun. It's been a nice uh, diversion <laughs> from everything. Um, and then one more thing before we get out of here. Uh, so on the topic of Pride, I cannot let this show go by without addressing the uh, the current controversy regarding Binet USA and the apparent uh, try attempts to um, go after people using the bisexual Pride flag Um I don't like all of Binet USA's claims so far about trying to help, like trying to impose like trademarks and copyright um, claims against people using the flag are um, unfounded in a lot of ways. Uh, it's really hard to to copyright a flag made up of geometric shapes and colors, uh, especially one that has been around for over 20 years and um, has never been registered in any way, shape, or form, and was explicitly created by someone who did not want it trademarked or or, or registered as, with a copyright. So, like, it's very telling that in the past 24 hours, they they uh, uh, basically went scorched earth on Twitter in some ways. But um, yeah, it's it's really sad to see um, because those flags are a symbol for the community. They're a symbol for all of us. They're not something to be profited off of. Pride is not 
something to be profited off of. That's why we've seen so many movements against like the corporatization of pride in a lot of ways. Uh, if you just look at the festivals uh, themselves, there's been a lot of movements uh, for uh, the decorporate decorporatization. That's a word, I guess. I don't know. Either way, it's been a topic for a long time. And the fact that Binet USA decides to throw their hat in the ring when it comes to trying to profit off of um, something that is meant to help the community as a whole is really sad to see. And the Twitter response with all of the uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek satirical recreations of the flag um, have been interesting to watch. Um, I hope that Bayonet USA does the right thing here and that they um, kind of understand that <laughs> the path they have taken on this issue um, has not turned out well for them. And I don't know. It's that just really burned me up as, as a person who identifies as bisexual to see that be the one that decides to throw all the ethics out the window to try and capitalize monetarily on something. It's really frustrating because, I mean, let's face it, the bisexual community <laughs> has faced its own uh, tribulations within the LGBTQ community um, over the, the decades. And there's been a lot of erasure and it really sucks that one of the one of the subsets within that community that has been the most prone to erasure is now being the one that is becoming the poster child for um, the perils of consumerism within the, the movement at least the most recent example I will say and yeah, it just doesn't sit well, personally. Also, I have no idea why the Human Rights Campaign is the first, like the first organization you go after, would try to do that stuff. Like, if you're going to try and monetize it, have a better plan about it. Like, I know, like, but even then, like, just don't try and monetize it. Like, there's a difference between trying to like take legal action against small creators who use the bi, the bi flag because it is a symbol of themselves, it is a symbol of um, being able to feel confident within their identities within, and to know that they belong to a larger community that is there to support them. And when you pull that kind of rug out from underneath people that, I mean, for all intents and purposes, like, that provides security to a lot of people and if you are willing to do that then I don't know how you can honestly call yourself an advocacy group for those people um, I know I certainly don't feel advocated for it <laughs> uh, we'll keep a close eye on that situation to see how it pans out but for now we uh, must say adieu but before that we do have to say uh, thank you to some people that make this show as awesome as it is. The Progress Pride Flag design by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. And a big thank you to Sarah in the Save Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, that's off the album Red Hot and Holy. 
can find them on Twitter at stswband, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at wonderboyotm. You can follow the show on Twitter at lgbtringpod, and of course, if you are into video games, I do also host a gaming news podcast over on twitch.tv slash Entertainment every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. That is called the Mr. Video Game Super Show. I host that with a couple of close friends and Twitch streamers, uh, Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin over there um, every Monday. It's always a blast. And... I invite you to join me over there as well. Um, don't forget, 8 p.m. tonight, southsidesuplex.com. Um, you know what? While you're over there on Twitter, give Trisha Dora a follow as well. At Trisha Dora 202. Um, trust me, this film's going to be rad. And um, can't wait to check it out. You got a whole day of content here. You got this show, you got stuff to read, you got a doc to watch later, all kinds of stuff to fill out your Thursday. Um, but this part of your Thursday is filled because we are out of here. Um, until next week, y'all stay messy, wash your hands, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Deal with the 